This is Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast where we turn basket case clubs into showcase clubs. Hello everyone and welcome to Basket Case Clubs. I'm Michael Connolly and I'll be your host for this journey as we talk about some basket casey goodness that goes on at local government today. And joining me as usual is my brother, Steve Connolly. Welcome, Steve. Woohoo! Basket Case, local governments. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really have the same... Re- no, it basket doesn't. Basket Case Councils. <laughs> <laughs> Equally true, though. Equally true. Equally true. Yes. So, how's your week been, Steve? Any funny stories of, that you've had happen at Clubland or Council Land this week? Probably. Got some infighting going on in a number of clubs and rifts in state governing organisations. Well, you know, between people involved uh, in a particular sport uh, from different clubs. And it's a sport where oh, a good percentage of the clubs. So, it's a tier three sport. And there are around, let's say, around 35 clubs. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Steve doing a really good job at giving away just enough information, but retaining just enough. So there's still some ambiguity. (laughs) It's great when we talk with people who listen to our podcast and they say, Oh, every time you're talking about, about, are they talking about us? Uh, So for some of you, the answer is yes, always. Um, But this sport has about 35 clubs uh, and a good percentage of those clubs and i've been told the number might be as high as half of those clubs are the result of breakaways from other clubs so people who you know fall out with other people in the club strong personalities coaches and so on who then take their little group of people and set up a new club or it might be a satellite club of an existing club that operates from a second facility and then they you know develop a different ethos and and establish their own separate entity so it's fascinating that a, a good number whatever that number is of the clubs that exist in this sport in queensland are the result of people disliking each other <laughs> breaking away from another club and, and setting up a new so anyway uh, I, I think that that kind of leads to some deep-seated friction between people and between clubs, which, you know, uh, in their participation arena, gosh, I'm being careful not to get too much away here, uh, in their in their participation arena, whether that be, you know, on the field, on the court, on the water, whatever, um, it, it probably leads to some good rivalries. Could and, be on the track. Good comp- Sorry, tr- yes, could be track. In the sky, you know. In the hall, <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. So, yes, there's always interesting things going on in my life as there is for all of our cpr group family um, yes hey i'm just I'm, stories as you know steve i studied music so i only need to know how to count to four you know even if it's 12 <laughs> eight it's just one two three two two three three two three four two three one two so it's, i only need to know how to count to four that's okay so but i'm gonna try some statistics here if you say it's up to half of those clubs are breakaways that means that all of them have split <laughs> statistically speaking yeah. every club has had somebody chuck the toys out of the sandpit and say, well, screw you guys. I'm going to go and start my own club. <laughs> my bat and my ball and I'm going. Yep. Ah, uh, dear. Anyway. So yes, never yeah. a dull moment. 
No, and it's funny how often bloody conflict comes up and it's, you know, people say uh, uh, it's a personality clash. It's not a personality clash. You just hate his freaking guts. <laughs> just call, call it how it is. And I, the feeling's I, probably mutual. Probably mutual. Yeah, I said that to a president oh, last week or the week before. And they said, no, Michael, no, they t- they tell me that they hate my guts. <laughs> and I said, well, at least they call it how it is for once. We'll do it. And, and then how often you see in constitutions, those clauses that say the maximum number of terms that somebody can have. And we look at it and say, so who were you trying to kick out mm-hmm. at the time? But you didn't want to actually take action. You didn't want to put on your big, your big boy or big girl pants and say, right, there we go. You're acting outside the best interests of our organization here. So we're going to take some action. Yep. Mm. So I was reading, when did this come out? This is my local council magazine. So I, I figured that this episode might take the path of one of those awful early morning radio stations where you get three or four people who think they're really funny and they just read through the newspaper. <laughs> like, i I got to be honest, I haven't listened to commercial radio in probably 20 something years and like now like isn't that why god invented spotify so i don't yep. have to listen to it is exactly anymore. why <laughs> and so yeah but i i was reading to it and i was kind of getting a bit frustrated now firstly it's a glossy magazine and this is where my my rates go to a glossy magazine that typically just gets chucked out when i was bitching about it at a meeting last week somebody said yeah we've written to council so many times to say stop sending us that stupid magazine it's a waste of money but basically what it does is it goes through the mayor and then each of the divisional council Councillors who get to tout what's going on that's so good in their area and what they're really proud of. And everything that I'm looking at, I'm kind of going, but hang on a minute. Like it's almost everything. Sorry, there are some really good good news stories in here and some typical roads, rates, and rubbish type stories. But what gets me is and one of the there are a few actual stories in here that are frustrating for me because I know that there's more to the story that isn't making it in here. And that can be organizations that are getting money that might not necessarily have the wherewithal or business sense to do the best with that money and um, again now i'm trying to be careful and just uh, I'm, I'm just posing but posing some hypotheses here i'm not saying that anyone's done anything wrong but is that so is like is it all the best use of our money and, and is it telling us the full story so in council land and for all of our council listeners you'll know this it's community investment has its role or has its place in the pecking order it's not first obviously emergency relief is going to be first so flood recovery steve as you just mentioned before when floods hit or when there's a disaster of cyclone natural disaster up north and even in covid councils had respond they came up with financial responses so there were rates freezes at least and in flood recovery lots of grants how many do you know that have just given grants or just got grants Plenty, yeah, yeah. And, that, and so that's fine. But co- what kind of got me as I'm reading through this is I'm, I know that community investment in my local council area is down the list. So we're going to have trunk infrastructure. We're going to have development. We're going to have BAU, the business as usual type operatings for council. And then investment in new sports facilities, new community facilities will happen, but it will happen when the money's there and it will happen when the time is right. Yet as I'm reading through this, that's what all of the councillors are saying they're so good about. So here's one mm. about a pool. Here's one about uh, inclusion and diversity among volunteer groups. Here's one about coming together. So volunteer groups getting together for club re- cl- flood recovery. There's some multicultural groups. There's 
it's um, yeah, another volunteer organization, a, a historical society type organization. There's um, yeah, okay. Now I'm hesitating here, Steve, because I'm actually finding some really good reports here about some events that are coming and some mental health initiatives. So all really good stuff. Some libraries. <laughs> here we go. That's good. Roads. There we go. Clubs. Again, volunteer groups. Again, volunteer groups. Again, here's new park infrastructure. So new playground infrastructure and the story behind that. More flood recovery. More Okay, now we're talking about skate parks. Again, here are the good news stories because really if we quite literally talk about the important shit, so the trunk infrastructure by way of rising sewer mains and the like, that's (laughs) not enjoyable to talk about. That's not sexy. That ain't going to win anyone votes so oh so what you're saying is it's politics at play oh sorry did i imply that (laughs) (laughs) sorry here's a bmx park here's a another sports club upgrades there so it's the stuff with which people connect because they're members of club story hot rod club another park another park oh no here's one about major road upgrades yeah, but there's no pretty pictures. <laughs> there's no pretty pictures of playground infrastructure. Still no there. shit pipes. No. Oh, and there we go. There's a bin a story about waste collection on the very last page. There we go. So I, I guess that really where I was going with it, Steve, was that it, it was a little bit frustrating to see all of that touting how good we are in investing in community infrastructure, yet it's such a small portion of council's budget. And for some councils, I know that the officers who are putting up projects have to fight tooth and nail just to get yep. heard. And sometimes then the projects that do get up are not necessarily the best projects. So you know of projects and I know of projects that are what I'll call a compromise project. So the, there are some in the community. So we, we as community planners and we as sport and recreation planners, we have our finger on lots of pulses. So we have a finger on the pulse of what makes a difference. So what sort of level of infrastructure is actually going to make a difference if you're talking of sport in particular at a particular level? So we know for state level tournaments or state level competitions what level of infrastructure is required for them to work and not to work to minimum standards but to work to a point where not only are we talking that we're going to make the people who use these grounds really comfortable every week or every day that they use them but when people come here they're going to be very comfortable at this venue there's going to be great fields great or courts pools whatever great lights but there's also very comfortable change rooms clean dunnies good service of canteen areas, bar areas, if it's a licensed venue, nice big car parks, good signage, easy accessibility, good uh, disability access to the whole facility, pathways around the park, maybe some exercise stations, play equipment, maybe a dog off leash area, depending on the neighbourhood. So we know what what makes a, a good park function like that. But we also know where those sorts of parks are needed because we can we know what level of analysis to do at a national level to look at participation rates at a national level, but then also at a local level. How, how are these participation rates playing out locally? What are the popular sports? What are the popular activities here? And that can be historically because we are in a community where a particular famous person, famous athlete grew up. And so their sport is obviously more common here because that's our town and so we then know how to apply those so we know what's needed but then sometimes what can happen is the things that don't necessarily fit the bill so the things that that don't have those trends that as genuine evidence 
take precedence for political reasons. So, but yeah, mm. but it's popular. So we've got this noisy community of vocal minority who really wants something to happen or more often something not to happen. And there's a bit of pandering that goes on there. So the, the politics comes comes to the fore and even where we do get things built in the right place and even the right things sometimes there has to be a compromise so a compromise to me is a, a bad outcome of negotiation because it's like i say hey i want to wear my black shoes tonight my wife says yeah but i like your brown shoes better so we compromise and i wear one black and one brown now that's a worse outcome than either column a or column doing as you're told that's a much worse <laughs> outcome than doing as you're told <laughs> yeah, for our listeners just do as you're told <laughs> yes yes so yeah uh, so when we get those compromise facilities so they always sorry they very often become white elephants and so we saw this with a lot of halls that were built in schools with money that was available and Mm -hmm. i know of one that is exact i forget the number but i'm going to say 864 square meters or whatever it is because if it was 865 square meters then it would have needed a fire reticulation system (laughs) built in and it would have added to the cost but now it's of a size that it's good for really big meetings and in fact, it's terrible for really big meetings because it's so echoey inside. So it's kind of good for nothing. It's good for keeping the rain off on a rainy day to go and stand in there. But you no, can't play sport good. There. It was good for winning votes. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. So really, I'm kind of having a bit of a rant about things that are taking political, scoring political points for things that are low on the, really on the pecking order. But but and if they're putting gonna, your money where your mouth is then, is that and, the... Uh, mm, follow on yeah yeah but maybe not putting enough money where your mouth is so if you're going to say that this is actually what's right mm-hmm. then let's do what's right let's let's take this back to first principles and let's not just say let's go and put a second field in with lights for that club because they're noisy mm. is it actually needed there is, how is that going to support the network so when we talk and this is fascinating I, I said i wasn't very good at statistics and that's why we've got a very good team of people who work with us on all of these sorts of projects because we can see the picture that's required when we talk to the people but it's important to check that against genuine need so when somebody says hey if we don't have lights we won't be able to play next year we're going to go well hang on a minute why haven't you been putting your own money aside to replace those lights when necessary to ensure that you can continue to host well games you're even being more charitable than me (laughs) because what i was going to say was well hang on can't you play football in the daytime anymore (laughs) what you need to play for and i think i've said this before what you need to play football is something to kick someone to kick it with and somewhere to kick it that's what you need yep but it, then there's obviously the level of embellishment that are wants, but those wants can be justified because, it, okay, yes, that's all we need to play football, but if we need to play club football, well, we're going to need a field with line marking and goalposts and nets. If we're then going to step up a level and we're going to need change rooms. But then at what point do we say, yeah, but what the service that we are providing now to our customers is of, of a level now whether that's because we're driving it like that because that's the type of business that we want to create or whether we're doing that in response to known demand our customers telling us but we want to progress into the next league we want more training we want better facilities we want so then great okay so that's what we're responding to every case becomes stronger though when we can say before we invest here let's make sure it's right let's look at the broader network and make sure that our network planning is right and also do that higher level statistical analysis as well. So we're not just responding to 
consultation is really, really important, but it's not all we're responding to. We're then testing that because if we through testing what people at this club are telling us that they want, then we go and test that and say, oh, but actually it would be better if we don't develop it here, but we develop it over at a different facility because, and that might be for flooding. If we develop it here, it's going to be out of commission because it's in an overland flow path. So it's going to get sodden. So you won't be able to use it for another 16 times a year. Can you really afford to have another a new field that's out for 16 rounds a year? Or are we better off putting it at an alternative site, which may then, and then it brings up the discussion about satellite venues, multi single clubs at multiple venues mm -hmm. or having a stronger stronger network of facilities which gives us a stronger network of a stronger competitive network as well uh, i don't know if this is going to take us down a path other than that which you may or may not have had in mind <laughs> anyway um, but as you were talking about some of the prioritization of how and where money is spent, you know, and, and confirming that there's actually real demonstrated need for investment in some infrastructure development. Election commitments jumped into my mind and we're heading into a um, federal election, you know, come what are we, a couple of weeks out now. Yep, two weeks. And we're starting to see election commitments promoted through social media, you know, traditional media and it's the old federal MP or, you know, candidate turning up at a local club and pledging some amount of money. And, you know, we're working with an organization that's recently had a pledge of a couple of million dollars from the sitting member. Uh, should he and, you know, arguably his team, team. be uh, elected, reelected. Um, he's committed a couple of million dollars towards the, large-scale redevelopment of their existing facility. Now, this begs an important question, which is if, if this is a project which has merit and for which there is demonstrated need and the organisation is able to deliver on its promise of upgrading its facility in its planned way, why is it only at election time that that project should have funding allocated to it and the answer is it's not only election time because we get you know we have established grant programs that run throughout the year in every state and territory at local government level we've got councils that run grants and we've obviously got the federal government that offers grant funding to um, many sporting organizations out there across the country as well but why is it only at election time that this project gets the attention that it deserves and of so course, is this a rhetorical question, Steve? Or do you, you're, you're gonna, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what you think? Uh, it rhymes with moats <laughs> and it starts with V. Uh, Does it rhyme with orc? Farrelling? <laughs> I was just thinking, like, instead of calling them grant programs, sometimes they should just call it the pork barrel fund. But then whoever's in power at any point, you know, we've got a, a a blue leaning a, a blue government at the at the moment so the red team are yelling at them for what they're doing with the pork barrel fund but then when the red team are in power the blue team yelled at them for doing exactly the same thing and so it's scoring points off scoring points <laughs> so yeah i'll score points by pork barreling and then you'll have score points by having a go at me but then when the, the shoe was on the other foot as in if you were in power and i was the opposition i'd be saying exactly the same thing to you and at least i think that they're all good enough sports that at some level, they know that. Oh, absolutely. And then for us, you know, the the sports rorts in inverted commas, 
was not a surprise to us. And it wasn't a surprise really to a lot of people with whom we work. We know that this happens. We know that votes are won through the commitment of dollars to sexy projects, projects which, you know, will will a, a building which will be built and a photo opportunity which will follow for that, you know, well, photo opportunity which will precede the construction, which is the handover of the big check. And then a photo opportunity for, you know, cutting the ribbon, unveiling the building, naming the building, uh, opening the plaque, whatever it is. These are opportunities for political candidates and elected representatives to win Score votes points. and to get attention. Yeah. Yep, we so, know that. But, I, but to clarify, though, I think that we weren't surprised that the pork barrelling happens, and we weren't surprised at that process. But the bad stuff that went on behind the scenes, so the the nitty gritty for sure. interest yep. that weren't declared, and the people doing very dodgy things that's unforgivable and they've obviously gone they're not in those it's positions anymore yeah yep. yep which is which is right so there's a i suppose there's a fine line then isn't there and sometimes there is. people only find out that they've crossed that line when they're well and truly on the other side <laughs> yeah yeah but for me i think the really important question is are we not placing sufficient emphasis on projects at the right time you know so so in 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 light of what you've raised uh are councils focusing you know on um in in an investment sense on the important stuff which is great yeah we we need trunk infrastructure we need roads we need you know um waste management services to be provided reliably and and you know efficiently and all of that really important boring stuff that councils do but then that they are winning favor with their constituents through promotion of all of the attractive stuff which is yeah. you know what you've rattled off from that magazine and we see the same thing happen with people trying to you know candidates trying to win votes so why is it that you know we we don't have better partnerships maybe between the organizations that provide access to sporting activities at community infrastructure sporting fields courts lakes you know and so on and councils why do we have this disconnect and 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 again the problem that i think i see and you see and 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 we are exposed to day in day out is the dynamic nature of volunteer organizations that lead them often down the path of poor succession planning poor business continuity and therefore a pretty crappy approach to planning for the long-term provision of infrastructure. Yeah. Those are really, really good points, Steve. And I think to now to try and come to some takeaways from this episode, I think that that's a really important point that it's, I'm just going to show you a picture as I make this, as I make this point, there's a picture of, hang on. Is that a counselor? Yeah. 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 Park upgrades. There we go. And there's a picture of the park upgrades. It's literally one, slide that looks like the sort of slide i would have slid down on when i hold on that's the upgraded park i think so i I, look i hope not but it's literally (laughs) one so that so my point there is that that councillor is scoring lots of political or trying to score lots of political points and and political favor by something that cost maybe a couple of grand maybe a few thousand dollars let's call it a few thousand dollars so that's pittance of an investment for context it is a crap looking slide (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like seriously, really crap. So I hope that it's not. I hope that that's the <laughs> anyway. I think it is. The, I think it is yes. the new. I think it is the new one. But that didn't cost a lot of money, and they they're taking a lot of kudos from something that didn't cost a lot of money. And yes, what did cost a lot of money 
with the road resurfacing in streets leading up to that park. But again, that's not sexy. So if you're going to, well, I suppose the point here, we're probably going to get no traction here because politics is politics and it's, mm-hmm. politicians yep. are going to be politicians. But if you're going to score points out of it, then let's make sure that you've yeah, they, they are. So they are putting their money where their mouth is in answer to your question, but maybe they're just not putting the right amount of money where their mouth is. And maybe, maybe not strategically not, enough. Maybe it's the squeaky wheels that get the oil rather than. But then, and then you get the compromise because we're getting something that yep. is not necessarily what's right. So that's the, the, that's the facility that doesn't get used for anything like the hall that I talked about, or it's something that doesn't get used to capacity because you've built the wrong thing there. You built something in the wrong place because you didn't have a good enough plan. I know you want to continue talking about takeaways, but can I just really quickly chuck in something else that's come to mind, which is funding programs. And you'd like the way I didn't uh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're going to ask me a question, maybe I'm going to keep talking. And if I don't take a breath and you won't be able to get your words in and therefore I will keep the floor. So grant programs and, and here in Queensland, we had an infrastructure program, which was run last year by the state government and it was shit. There was no opportunity for clubs to actually demonstrate the need for a project or their ability. Well, I mean, to a degree, they had you know, an opportunity to demonstrate their ability to deliver by pointing to good trading history and so on. But there was, there was really little opportunity for an organization to make their case for need. And my take on that assessment process is it was more just based on, well, did they tick the box? Are they, have they submitted, has this organization submitted a compliant application? Nevertheless, typically speaking, a funding program And the questions asked through the application process, give a club or an association an opportunity to say, we need this project more than, you know, enough other organizations applying for the same money because of this, this, and this, therefore give us the money so we can do the project and continue to, or improve, you know, our continue to, to deliver the services that we provide or improve those services. And what has played on my mind for, some of the many years that we've been working on funding applications is we know how to make a strong case. Some people who write grant applications within their clubs know how to make a strong case. Does that mean that their project is necessarily the most deserving or most necessary project across the local government area, across the state, across the country? And the answer is no, it doesn't necessarily mean that. So the clubs that have got you know, good people internally or that go and engage the support of people who know how to write grants will be more likely to win grants, not based on the actual genuine need for the project, but based on how they present the need. But if they're doing, if they're doing their job right, then that would be part of it. Then, then being a good grant writer is telling the story and selling it because it's, it's based on need. So if I'm writing a grant then I'm going to go and do all of that research. So the only reason that a grant that I write is going to be successful is I'm not, it's not just because I'm using lovely flowery language and talking about need that doesn't exist. I'm then demonstrating that 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 need does exist by pointing back to network strategies and plans. And if a network strategy hasn't been done, then I would do it myself. And so there's, there's a, a map plotted on that map or all of the pins of the other networks and what they contain and demonstrating that here is the right place. And then looking around and saying, well, here's the right place because this is the place that doesn't flood. Here is the right place because this is the place that has the deficit at the moment. This is the right mm. place because here, then here are our figures that are showing people are leaving. Here are our exit surveys that say people are leaving because they're going from us to another club that has these facilities. So we're then deteriorate. We're bringing down the quality of competition because we can't keep up 
with what we can offer here, which means that other clubs can't compete because we can't play in a competition up. There's less in that competition. So now I'm creating that case. So I think well, that a good grant writer is good, but yep. only if they're doing their job right. Where I think it is a problem is where those things are happening politically or somebody saying the squeaky wheel syndrome or the NIMBY syndrome. Yeah. It says let's do this because it's going to score political favour not let's do this because it is actually right. Sure, we're going to get political favour from it, but let's do it in the right place and the right way. Yeah, and while I don't disagree at all with anything you've just said, and certainly, you know, the case has to be there to be made before a, a grant writer can, whether they're internal or an engaged professional grant writer, before they can make that case, the case needs to exist. So there needs to be, you know, a need to demonstrate. Yeah, Gosh, I said need a lot in that <laughs> sentence, didn't I? Uh, I suppose where, <laughs> where I was going with my point, though, is that there are plenty of organisations that, A, don't know that grant funding exists, or B, know that grant funding exists, but, you know, by virtue of other challenges internally, typically not enough people to do the work, don't have the time to go and present a strong case through a grant application. And and is that okay? And, and I know that I'm taking us on a tangent here from where we began but again i'll come back to that question somewhat rhetorical that i asked earlier should we have better partnerships between government and these organizations across yes. the state and country that deliver sport so that it's not just a matter of okay well you wrote a good grant application so you'll get the money but rather an, an approach taken by government which is this club that has no one to write a good grant needs some bloody money or they're not going to be able to host training or competition or provide a safe opportunity for participation. So we need to do more to support that organization. In, and in they know that because they've been proactive in creating that, that connection and that partnership, right? Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. and look, I mean, I know that the point that I'm kind of making here flies in the face of, of some of what we say about organizations needing to do good business Otherwise, you know, to ensure their own long-term sustainability or viability. Otherwise, is that organisation, are we just marking time? and mm. Or building so, something that's going to end up going back into the mix and have to go into EOI for some other club to come and take over. And it might be a super club with satellite yes. venues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, is that okay? And there are probably very good points to be made on both sides of that fence, but yeah, case by case, but do the assessment and does it work in this community? Does it fit with, you know, what I said about the communities that have their pet athletes and therefore their pet sports? Yes. Yep. Mm. Yep. All right. So I got some takeaways for you, Steve. Good. I don't. <laughs> hit me, hit me. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's going to turn out to be not just a whinge fest. Okay. <laughs> so firstly, this is advice to our council friends invest invest right, invest the right amount of money in the right place in the right project. And how you do that is based on good planning that is informed by genuine need. So the way that we talk about that in the work that we do is obviously you, you start with need, understand genuine need. And that's that process of that proper data-driven process that I talked about that is then supported by community engagement. Mm. I would strongly advocate for doing them both though, because if you just do it one, one way and you just go and create a network strategy, and I know some state sports that have done this, they just created a network strategy by interviewing all of the clubs in their network and saying, Hey, what do you want? And then creating a plan that was just a big wish list of everything that they wanted. Now, 
that did work because then for some councils that looked at it, they said, oh, we can go and just plonk some money there because we've got a wish list. So, so they did. So mm-hmm. that worked in their favour. But again, is it, inv- is it just creating more white elephants? And that's my concern. That you, Because if you go and build a building in the wrong spot, then it limits your ability to build it in the right spot down the track and it limits your ability to build the right thing in that place. So you put a clubhouse here and then you work out, oh, that would have actually been a really good place for our second field or our synthetic field or our whatever it is, our, our rage cage. And now we can't without knocking down a building and then reinvesting. And so you then wait the 50 years until that building reaches its end of you and the end of its useful life. And then we knock it down and then we build what's right. But in the meantime, how many generations of kids playing sport have had substandard facilities just because something was built, the built by compromise or built by political will instead, mm. which leads me to takeaway number two, which is that for the most part, we're not talking to the decision makers. And even if you are a councillor or, or a mayor, then you are one decision maker in a group of many. The important takeaway number two is to push the right things in the right direction. So if you are a councillor, then it, it come time for decision making. Yes, score your political points, but the, it, how much better will it be if you can say genuinely hand on a hand? I shouldn't laugh. And say, <laughs> <laughs> if we, I can say honestly, <laughs> oh God, I'm not a. Politician. Someone once I'm told me never to trust someone who says, you know, honestly, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest. <laughs> but genuine, if you can genuinely stand hand on heart and say, but this is supported by need, and here is the evidence. And that evidence is defensible. It's not just, but but Sammy told us and but Paulie told us, this is genuine defensible need because it's based on this level of, of proper statistical analysis that we've done. If you are a person who works in a council, so you're not one of the decision makers, then have the courage to push the right projects through. And don't give up. You w- and I know that this is true in large scale bureaucracies where there are some people who deliberately won't, escalate projects because they are a threat i'm very happy in my you're and i'm talking to obviously none of our friends steve i'm in a managerial or a directorship portfolio in a council and it's what i've read in a great book road warriors retired on active duty so they're just sitting there until retire they're getting paid until they retire but they're not doing anything they're just sitting Mm. on their bums and anyone underneath them who is ambitious and is pushing and has this sort of background can be seen as a threat and then their life can be made difficult and i know of cases in too many councils where i've seen that so if you are one of those people please stop being a dickhead and if you are one of those, <laughs> if you are one of those people who is trying to push, then have the courage to push what's right. But if you're doing the job that's right, and uh, th- th- this is our bread and butter, this is what we do in CPR group planning, day in day out. This, is, so we know what it takes. We're very happy to engage with you on what it takes, and to have some of those off the record discussions that we obviously need to have, recognizing that this discussion started around conflict again so how do you deal Mm. with that internal conflict and managing the humans is always the problem in every job this job would be great if it wasn't for the customers and the staff (laughs) yep and the final one then is on your point about partnerships and i'm going to add a layer to that to say when we're investing the right money in the right projects in the right places i'm Mm -hmm. going to expand that out to say we're not just talking about capital investment here we're also talking about investing in capacity Mm -hmm. so invest in capacity building so that when you are within when you are inside oh sorry just to jump back to the pushing one if you're outside of a council so if you are a club and you've got the right project then don't just base it on what we want go and do genuine really take an objective 
step back and say, what is it that, how would this be viewed by somebody else? How would a consultant plan for this? And do some of that planning. All of those things that we talked about, what is the need at a national level? How does that manifest locally? What are the trends that we're seeing? And map that so that it's defensible and so that it's then open to scrutiny. And if somebody comes along and says, oh, but you should have used this information, don't say poo-poo-poo to you. Say, oh, well, maybe there's something in that and there's something else, there's more for you to do. Now, I know that that can be be time-consuming, which is why most people choose to outsource it, but it's well worth the investment because if you get what's right, then you don't have to spend that 50 years on a shitty park that's got the wrong thing in the wrong place. So then on the capacity and connection side, it, it includes then those, if you're within a council, being proactive in creating good relationships with the volunteers, typically the mums and dads who are running our clubs, our community infrastructure, create good relationships with them. And for the most part, you want to be supporting them. Yes, if they're dodgy and if they're doing a bad job, then move them on. But far better that you give them the opportunity to be the proper steward of the land that you've given to them and mm-hmm. do the best job that they can and to support them in doing that. And create can, and then the capacity enables you to create that connection. So that's what I wrote down. Capacity, connection, and all of that is built through partnerships. Great. And on the partnership point, for our club listeners, I'm pretty sure that we've touched on this previously but establish positive working partnerships with your lessor or you know with your council but also with local state and federal politicians establish those positive partnerships because you're one of many likely one of many organizations within your constituency so make sure that you take a proactive approach to creating those partnerships from the bottom up as well. Yeah. Don't just rely on um, council to do that, but certainly, yes, as you say, for our council listeners, similarly apply a proactive approach to those partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're helping you do, you do your job and vice versa. Yeah. So better. Great stuff. Great stuff. Better outcomes. Good. There we go. I think I think we did finally end this journey. You did a great job of tying it back to what we should have been talking about. Yeah. (laughs) You can see, you can see that like most things that we talk about on this bloody podcast, Steve, that there's so many, so many forks that you can or forks, branches. And you, you so you got your trunk here and then you add on a limb and then that becomes a smaller branch and then you end up on twigs and leaves of so many different topics that all tie together in some way to People bend dicks. <laughs> or basket Casey. Yes. Or basket Casey. Yeah. No. And yes. So yes, all kudos to councils who are investing well. And I know that I hung some shit on council for maybe not investing as much or as well. But look, this is the sexy stuff. So if we just take that to a level of honesty and saying, yeah, this is what we're going to invest in. And we've got a good plan and we're looking into the future. And we know that that is going to service genuine need then everyone does better, including the politicians getting re-elected. Yes. The, the right ones. What do we still do they say? We we get the politicians we deserve or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so on that note, I'm gonna say that I at this stage at least have zero desire to be in politics in any way, shape, or form. And so that the people who are running in a couple of weeks, all, all the best. And you can have whoever it. gets in, you can have it. Absolutely. Steve, thank you very much to you for joining me on this little romp down a number of rabbit warrens and indeed leading a few of those rabbit warrens, particularly the Grant one. I thought that was interesting and a a bit of a different take than some of the other Grant stuff we've talked about. And thank you for the opportunity to 
take you down some of those waters. <laughs> ramble. And we didn't get, we didn't get lost. We came out the other side. Big thanks to Jess, our producer and our editor for all the wonderful work that she does, cutting out the crap that you didn't want to hear anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter and send us a good old-fashioned email. If you write us a handwritten note, we'll probably even read it. We know we'll probably, we'll probably reply. And of course, you can give us a phone call as well, all of which is available on our website, cprgroup.com.au. Maybe we should start a new segment of our show called Basket Case Confidential, where we get our listeners to write a little note into us for sharing on the podcast. Oh, good idea. Let's see. I'll tell you what, let's put the call out and see yep. if anyone takes us up on the offer. Basket Case Confidential. All right. Yes. Nice. Let's see what we get. Nice work, Steve. All right. Thank you again, Steve. I'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.